Good evening, everyone. It's time for Necromaniacs podcast. How's it going, Mike? Everything going good in your corner? Uh, things are well. Uh, as Mr. Hill just said, you're listening to the Necromaniacs podcast. The horror podcast, kids. We're back. It's Thursday. Uh, well, it's not Thursday while we're taping this. But it's Thursday when you're hearing it. And it's May. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, It's May. It's spring. I'm freezing in my apartment because the heat is off and it's still cold out. But it is spring, Mike, right? It is? Yeah, it's a little nippy out, though, but it, it's definitely spring. Yeah. It, it's definitely spring. I have a, a cold slash or allergies. I'm, I'm taking uh, Mucinex. Got a little bit of something, something going on. But it is not Rona. I tested Rona was it saturday just about three days ago so you know i'm good there and i think i'm going to test myself again before the weekend because I, I got a couple of shows i'm going to this weekend what a shock um so yeah i think i think i just got a little cold i got myself a nice uh nice little skin rash here it's either uh <laughs> you know it's either ringworm or uh, staff. Oh so I got. Good lord! I got to go to the Where doctor. I got. Well, you know, it's you get it from uh, you know the mats and fucking training uh, and all yeah. that. And uh, I, I've had all those things before, but so I got to go and get some uh, antibiotics tomorrow morning and clear it up. Oh yeah, yeah, Michael. <laughs> Take care of yourself. Yeah. These these in shape people, I tell you, man. You know, you can't can't leave the house. These people. Yeah, it's, it was a bummer, man. Like a couple of days ago, I'm like, "Oh, what's this thing on my chest?" And it's like, "Oh man!" So I, I'm going <laughs> going to go get get checked out tomorrow. Get some uh, antibiotics. Get that taken care of. All right, we we've TMI'd our listeners, but uh, <laughs> these things happen, man. These things fucking happen. But uh, yeah, things are cool. You know, uh, I'm, as I'm waiting for the the truly nice weather to kick in, I've been been busy. Uh, you know, watching stuff and going to shows. Uh, this past week alone, I saw classic thrash metal, Michael. I went to see Testament and Exodus out in Long Island um, at the Paramount, which is a really nice club. You ever been there? You know what? I haven't, actually. But I, I what town is that in on Long Island? Uh Oh my God! I can't think of the name of the town. It's like Mineola or something like that. Not Mineola, not Mineola. It's a little, a little far out there, though. It's about an hour and change from me. Uh, almost an oh, hour. So and like half Suffolk, it's like Suffolk. County. Might be either the beginning of Suffolk and Nassau. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but it's a really cool club. I was there a years back to see Danzig with Coc. Danzig played there years back, and I think they did a little bit of a remodel since then. But uh, really cool. Uh, we missed Death Angel. Uh, got there a little late because, I mean, you know, how early can one get there from, you know, Diker Heights on a freaking weeknight, you know, um, when everybody's like working and you're dealing with traffic, like Death Angel went on at like 650. Oh, yeah. A little yeah. early. A little yeah. Early, yeah. Because they're given, you know, Testament and Exodus like full hour sets and changeover and yada, yada. But uh, it was Exodus, then Testament. I believe they're kind of like switching it up with the headliners, I think. Um, but while both bands were great, I think Exodus had the edge. Uh, I think they were they, they they kicked a little more ass for me, I thought. Well, their their most recent record is pretty sick actually. Yeah, like they're when they put out new records, man, they, they don't put out these there's nothing light about their new material, kind of like new overkill. It's very like hard, you know? 
and Testament are the more you know the more melodic band and there's always a definite difference in the sound between those two bands um but i think exodus go go a little harder and and it was just you know a little more fun to watch you also went to another uh, really good show that i was thinking about going to but i did not go to yes uh went to vitus to see rotting christ and borknagar um two pretty big bands in, in in the in the you know the black metal world really uh and it's funny many moons ago i saw borknagar's like first show in new york like ever when they did the tour with emperor when it was emperor's first uh, u.s tour which was i believe in in uh 97 or 98 actually um and uh, i think usurper was on that show too it was this crazy show at this club around the corner from the limelight in manhattan um tramps actually club tramps remember tramps i, I do actually remember yeah tramps. yeah so um yeah this club i mean look st vitus uh, many listeners from the new york or new jersey area they've probably been there many times um this whole tour initially had six bands on it and then that show was earlier in the day and that was sold out and then they added a second show because i mean it's the fucking new york city market and the, this club is way too small to have this bill anyway so they added a second show with just Borknagar and rotting christ which was the show we went to um and that was also sold out so you know i don't know like going vitus like seeing shows there but i feel like this particular show would have been a lot more fun at a bigger room because of the the type of bands they were you know what i'm saying Honestly, I would be a little bummed out, I think, if I was on that Devastation Across the Nation tour. Devastation Across the Nation, yep. And I rolled up to Vitus, and uh, nothing, you know, no no disrespect to St. Vitus, because that's a, a, you know, a luminary New York club at this mm -hmm. point. But, you know, those guys could have easily played, I think, you know, like Warsaw or a bigger venue and a better sound system. and Yeah, both. or like Gramercy. Yeah, I Gramercy, mean, yeah, yeah. Um, but what's funny is that this was the date booked even in 2020 because this this was this tour was this uh, this tour goes back to 2020, and uh, I believe this particular the New York City date back then was in April. And it's funny they had the merch for the 2020 and the 2022 merch. Isn't that cool? Because wow. they were kind of sitting on it, <laughs> and yeah, people were people were buying you know the the old and new merch. They had like two old designs and a bunch of new designs. But anyway, yeah. Um, enjoyed the hell out of it there were bands you know both bands were fucking awesome but like the music of borknagar i don't know it's very epic you know epic kind of black metal man not even really black metal anymore like they, they kind of used to be black metal. now they're just this very kind of like you know again epic kind of metal that's the best word i could use uh has heavy like norwegian pagan kind of you know vibes of course and while it was fun to see in a small club I, I would have preferred it in a bigger club for a bigger sound and bigger visual, you know? Yeah, you know, and I, that's exactly the point I was trying to make. It's like the sound system there. They, they I think a band like Borknagar needs like a big PA with like, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. production, yeah. their production, you know? Right, right, right. So I, I imagine they probably scaled it back a bit. And Ronnie Christ, um, it's funny, I couldn't remember if I had seen them before. I feel like I did a long time ago. But they were just really, really good. I mean, 
they had the fucking crowd. I mean, they put on quite a fucking show, man. I mean, I would, I would definitely see them again if they came back. Of course, you know, same for Bork Nagar. Um, but uh, yeah, and this coming weekend, I'm going to the the big uh, New York hardcore yearly festival, the Black and Blue Bowl. Uh, my brother Mark's band shut down is playing it on Sunday. Um, and then Saturday, uh, Agnostic Front, Sick of It All, Ignite, and Murphy's Law playing it. So it should be a good time. Sub Zero's on the Saturday show. Nice. Yeah. And uh, the, the Sunday show also has Madball and Burn. Um, so it should be a lot of fun. I, um, I, I leave for tour next week. So I'm like, Right in the, in the middle of you know getting ready pr preparation and uh, so I'm I'm probably just chilling the next couple days. Actually, yeah. when this airs, I will be leaving the very next day. So this airs uh -huh. and then I go away and I'll be gone. <laughs> so yeah, listeners, go out and see Tombs with Origin and and, uh, and Abysmal Dawn too. And Abysmal Dawn, yes, yes, yeah. check that tour out. So if it comes you know, to your town. Hopefully, I'll be seeing some of you guys out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's get to the plugs, shall we? Yes, we shall. Uh, of course, yes, we shall. Uh, we want you to support the Horror Wolf 666 podcast. Check out the Break the Apocalypse podcast featuring my actual brother, John Draper, although we do not <laughs> have the same last name. How about that, folks? I can never figure out why you guys has had... I've known you guys for years. Yeah, two different yeah. names. That's, that's fucking it's just, crazy. It's one of those things, you know. Uh, <laughs> John's dad was, was a very sketchy uh, ad sales guy <laughs> who was quite the philanderer, and, you know, that's, that's what happens. John Draper. Um, check out Agitators Anonymous. I love that podcast, Mike. Today's episode, folks, on Agitators was all about the history of the band Bathory. A couple of weeks back, he did an episode about literally Countess Bathory, the historical figure. Uh, today was about the band Bathory, so that was cool. He's like a super fan, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, and you have to support Into the Necrosphere podcast, right, Michael? That's right. That's absolutely right. Good friend. Mm -hmm. Actually, Brandon and Jackie are really good friends of mine. And, um, oh, totally. You know, I yeah, keep talking yeah. about how cool it was to hang out with Brandon on this last run of dates we did about a month. Well, at this stage, like about a month ago, maybe I was down there. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Did I, did I leave anybody out of the plugs? Uh, yes. We left out at my other podcast. Everything went That's black. right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I want to tell you something. I want, mm -hmm. I want you all to know that. Between all these shows, we have a solid week covered, man. Like you, oh, yeah. you get Monday through Friday, incredible Pretty content. Much. On Monday, mm -hmm. you got Horror Wolf. On Tuesday, you got Into the Necrosphere. On Wednesday, you got Everything Went Black. On Thursday, you got Necromaniacs. And on Friday, you got Breaking the, Break the Apocalypse. That is 100% accurate. Yes. So you can just tune in, man, to this, this like conglomeration of podcasts, and you're all set, man. You're good. That that's all you need, folks. I mean, what else do you need? And you need, you know, maybe some water and some sleep. Yeah. Food. But uh, you know, other than that, you, you should be all set in life. Um, there's actually one other podcast I listen to. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, folks, but there's one I enjoy. Uh, any of our more hardcore inclined fans, the Axe to Grind podcast. Are you familiar with that one, Michael? No, no. What's that one all about? Uh, that comes out every uh, Tuesday, actually. 
listened to it this morning. Um, it's been around a couple of years. I mean, it kind of runs the gamut. They talk about hardcore and hardcore bands and music and shows in general from the 80s, 90s, O's to today. Uh, you know, um, Tom Sheehan from Indecision, one of my old friends, is one of the, the co-hosts. Uh, along with uh, Patrick Kinlan, the singer of the band Drug Church, which is a, a cool band out there making a lot of noise. Um, it's a cool show. Yeah. You know, I saw Drug Church. Lunch. I saw them. They they you played did. with uh, Dead Guy out here in Garwood, New Jersey. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, there was a, a, a Dead Guy show, you know, how like they're doing, they're doing shows again. And, That's um, right, right. Yeah, they, they played like 15 minutes from where I live in this town called Garwood. And one of the bands on the bill was uh, Drug Church. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, their band I like. I've been listening to for a good little while, like a year and a half, and I still haven't seen them yet. But hopefully at some point this year I will. Attempted to go see them. They they had a, they sold out a show in Brooklyn, so couldn't couldn't get into that one. So next time their tickets go on sale, I got to get you know quicker on the ball, Michael. Yeah. Oh, aside from that, I fucking finally finished, I wanted to say, Suburban, uh, what do you call it, Brian Keene's um, Oh, Suburban, Suburban Gothic. Gothic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yes. I haven't read that yet. That, that looks yeah. good. If you thought Urban Gothic was fucked up, Suburban Gothic goes the extra mile. It is, it, it is fucking demented. Um, it was a very enjoyable book. Uh, you know, Brian Keene definitely delivered the, the the sketchy you know violent gore this time around which it's, it's funny because certain books are are a little more subdued and a little more you know not so heavy on like the sick things that went down in this book but yeah check it out suburban gothic the word that comes to mind <clears throat> is extreme when yeah it comes to that book that particular i read yeah. urban gothic but i haven't yeah, read suburban that gets gothic. extreme mm -hmm. yeah. extreme Totally, totally. Yeah, so now uh, what else I'm reading, folks, is um, Corporate Rock Sucks, The Rise and Fall of SST Records, Michael. I got to check that out, man. I, I have to get my hands on that for sure. Yeah, I just got that in the mail. I got it from Amazon. Um, I'm kind of like tearing through it. I'm on to like chapter six already. I mean, I, I love Black Flag. I, Michael, you love Black Flag. Sure. And I love so many of the bands that were on sst and like the whole kind of ethic and you know i've you know fond memories of buying sst records as a young lad and ordering shit from them in the mail um so yeah i'm very curious to see what happened to this label and what 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 is up with uh mr ginn and although he is not interviewed in this book what nah, a surprise nah, uh, he used to be um many people who worked with him are interviewed as well as bands and people from the era and so you know I'm, I'm sure there's you know quite a bit of factual things in the book so yeah looking forward to tearing through it even more have you read uh bram stoker's dracula the novel i read that for the last time i think in the very early 90s so i'm due to reread it I haven't read it in a while. I'm about I'm I'm rereading it right now. I'm about a little bit more than halfway through, and because uh, I just bought a little while ago, I bought this uh, Penguin hardcover, like a special edition of it. 
Nice. And it's been laying on my bookshelf. I'm like, oh, nice. I got to reread this because I have this cool like version of it now. And you know, man, I would love to see a, a, a legit Dracula miniseries. Like mm. Six episodes, you know, kind of told from different characters' perspectives, like similar to the way the book is. Like that's like super book like driven. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. You know, and like, you know, for the first like 300 pages, like Dracula is like way in the background, except for like the very beginning when he's with uh, Jonathan, you know, at right. Castle Dracula. And, and Lucy is like, a, it's mostly about her for like 200 pages. See, that's the thing. I mean, look, a bunch of the movies have obviously taken pieces of the book or done a good job kind of with their represent, you know, interpretation. But you, you might be right. As far as a 100% faithful, I don't think there has been as on TV episodically. There may be a movie, but definitely nothing, you know, bigger scale, I think. I think um, I think people the in the climate right now with shows would be perfect for this, you know, because I mean, yeah. haunt, haunting a Hill House is perfect, you know. That was like well, well, we we are getting a an episodic interview with the vampire. Looking forward to that. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm not the That's biggest cool. fan of that, but yeah, it's cool. Uh, okay, see, I, I like yeah. that. I'm a fan of Anne no, Rice. I mean, it's cool. I'm not. I don't say it, I don't. I don't dislike it, but I'm. I'm just. I love Dra I love Dracula, like the the novel, and you know mm -hmm. the, that version of the character is like really scary, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be fun. I mean, I would love to even see, you know, maybe even like a Frankenstein like that. Although there have been movies that have gone super book book styled, so to speak, uh, Frankenstein movies. So, but yeah, uh, for TV, that would be very interesting for yeah. like a. Your Netflix, your Hulu, your whatever. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Streaming service. Yeah, I just picked up this uh, annotated uh, version of Frankenstein, too, that's got, you know, notes and things like that added to the text, you know. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, there's, there's a annotated Sandman out there. Wow, that's You've cool. Always to check that out, too. Yeah, I mean, that would be fucking fun to read because that, that show is coming before the end of the year on Netflix. Really excited about that, so... Yeah. yeah, me too, man. Definitely. Well, folks, it brings us to the movie that we're covering this evening. We've decided to to travel back to Italy. We like we like Italy here on on the on the show. What do you think, Mike? Definitely, and also the filmmaker, the director, uh, is somewhat. You know, I feel like like Michele Suave's always been a little bit in the shadow of Dario Argento. Oh well, I was going to say he was. I mean, he was a protege. That's yeah. how we, we that's kind of we kind of came to be. Michele Suave, um, you know, was like around for a lot of the, the kind of the 80s Argento stuff. And the first thing he directed was the really awesome uh, documentary, Dario Argento's World of Horror back in 1985. That's his first uh, directorial effort. Uh, you've seen that doc, right? Oh, like, oh yeah, it's great. It's excellent. Oh, it, yeah. It's fucking awesome, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, really creepy uh it's it's like it's actually a great thing to watch if you're if you're new to argenta it's it's like a 101 or kind of dario argento's world of horror uh it's out there uh, if you want to check it out but i think I it's on shutter feeling. actually i think it's on shutter yeah and i but i think a fun i have a funny feeling a lot of the listeners might have seen it uh at this point but i, I hope they have um but yeah i mean his his first film uh was stage fright 
1987, which is a cool giallo. Uh, and his second film is the movie we're covering this evening, uh, The Church, uh, released in March of 1989. Now, Wikipedia lists it as AKA Demons 3. Uh, however, it's not Demons 3. Um, what's interesting is that going back to the beginning, ideas of this film, apparently they were going to make Demons 3 together, Michele Suave and Dario. And they even told the press about it and, you know, had some some ideas and everything. And then ultimately, uh, Suave was like, no, we're scrapping this movie. And apparently Argento didn't want to do it. And it was, it was the whole thing was scrapped. And uh, Suave came and Argento came up with this this new film, uh, which we have tonight, The Church. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the screenplay is credited with there's three writers. You know, yeah. It's, it's credited for Dario Argento, uh, Suave, and Franco Farini. And it was direct, mm-hmm. directed by uh, Suave. So, yeah. um, you know, but there was like a little bit of tension over, over that plot change. And, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it, what's interesting is that you kind of can see how this would fit into the mythos of the demons movies, mm. you know, with a couple changes here and there, it it could fit pretty easily into that. I think. Oh, totally. I mean, I haven't seen demons two in a while. Like I kind I remember demons one, obviously the plot demons two, for some reason has like escaped Oh, my memory. I, I need to watch it again. I, I know I enjoyed it. It's definitely not as good as Demons 1. But um, I, I guess they kind of didn't want to go back to that well again, you know? Yeah. And uh, for his second film, he wanted to go with, a, you know, an original story and, and something new and, and exciting. Now, which, um, which Demons movie is the one with the, the killer soundtrack? Oh, that's Demons, the original. Yeah, yeah that like, has like Fields through, of the Nephilim. Yeah, Molly Cruz on there. Yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. The Cult band. and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's actually a very cool soundtrack. It has uh, Save Our Souls from uh, Theater of Pain is on there. That's awesome, man. Perfect. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, it's kind of a, it's a very heavy metal-ish horror movie, the original Demons, right? Yeah, I, I could I say that. So. Yeah. Totally. Um, something else of note about this movie is that it is one of uh, Asia Argento's first films. She was around 13 years old when she was in this movie, huh? She actually carried a lot of weight in this film, too. Uh, yes. You know, because, you know, we're going to get into a little, little bit of what, you know, the plot is, but there's a period piece section of the movie that, uh, that Asia Argento's in, and then there's a more modern day version. So she plays like... Two roles in a way. Yeah, two different aspects of the same character, because they sort of... It sort of infers that it, one is like the reincarnation of the other. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Uh, her character's name is Latte, by the way. L-O-T-T-E. Um, I will run down the cast. We have uh, Hugh Carchet, played by Father... Uh, Hugh Carchet as Father Gus. Uh, Thomas Arana as Evan. Aja Argento as Latte. Barbara Cupisti as Lisa and the ever-loving Giovanni Lombardo Radice as Reverend Dominic. Of course, uh, Giovanni uh, from many Fulci films. And, you know, one of his most famous uh, roles is getting his wiener cut off in uh, Cannibal Ferro, Michael. <laughs> that, that's quite a role, actually. That's quite a role. <laughs> and, his, and his excellent role as uh, David Hess's sidekick 
in House on the Edge of the Park. You know, I, I, I like him in that movie. Uh, met him at the cons. Very nice guy. Really cool. Uh, got his autograph on a few things. Uh, Theodore Chaplin as the bishop. John Carlson as Heinrich. John Richardson as the architect. And Mikel Suave as the police officer. I recognized him. He likes to do these little cameos, Michael, in his own films. Yeah, you know, you know that, that's uh, a lot of directors like to do stuff like that. Yeah, Hitchcock was into doing it, and Argento's hands are in a lot of his movie. You know, it's a, it's a cool little thing to do. Probably my favorite. Oh, actually, let's talk about the soundtrack to the score. It's uh, yes, you know, Argento had worked with um with Keith Emerson from Emerson Lake and Palmer, obviously uh, uh-huh. on uh, Inferno. So mm-hmm. he thought, hey, let me get Keith to do some stuff for uh, for the ch- La Chiesa, the church. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, but he didn't like the material he sent over. So he yes. did, he did he a bunch didn't of stuff. Like most of it. Yeah. Yes. He, he only kept he like it. yeah. There's only three tracks that he used. Uh huh. And uh, then so he calls in um, uh, famous comp- uh, Philip Glass has some tracks on this. Who's a famous uh, you know composer in his own right. And then he gets uh, Fabio Pignatelli of Goblin in on there, who is listed, it's listed as Goblin, but it's literally just Fabio. So isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the bassist. Fabio's the bassist of Goblin. Um, you know, it doesn't have uh, any of the other guys, uh, you know, from the crew, just just him. Hmm. You know, the Italian, Italians are like that, man. It's funny. Like, their films, you know, it's like they're very aware of um, of the audience, I think. You know what I mean? They're right. very aware of how people are going to react to things like, you know, like maybe calling a film a sequel to another film that it's not actually a sequel to, mm. you know, like zombie, you know, and stuff like that is, uh, oh, yeah. you know, and using Goblin, even though only one member is actually on the on the track, you know? Yeah, that's happened before. Like a lot of times in, in some of his other, uh, in Argento's films, it's basically Claudio Simonetti and he's listed as, hey, it's Goblin, but it's really just Claudio Simonetti. Yeah. So, you know, and, and uh, that, that actually has kind of like propagated through the years uh, <laughs> you know, because, you know, there's a lot of different, you know, Goblin, there's Goblin Rebirth or whatever. There's right, Goblin. There, well, there, yeah, yeah Simonetti has his and then the other three guys have theirs. So it's, you know, and that, now I think there's even a splintering within that if I if I'm, might be mistaken or not. But, uh, yeah, you know, these, these things happen. It's hard to keep a band together, kids, you know? <laughs> It's hard. Don't I know it? <laughs> Mike Hill. Oh, Mike Hill. You, you, yes. You, you could tell some tales. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. But another reason we wanted to cover this movie, uh, I think, is that I feel like we've thrown Mikel Suave's name around a bunch, yet never actually reviewed any of his actual films. Am, am I right? Did we do Della Morte Della More? Like back in the I, day, maybe, right? We might have. And it's so funny because. If we did do it, it was so long. It was so long ago that we don't really have a good memory of doing it. Um, I will, you know, put it out there and say that that's my favorite film by him, and that's his best work. Uh, and okay, it, yeah. it's sad because it's 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 not really that available, uh, you know, uh, in America right now. There was a DVD, but I think the DVD's out of print, and I don't think there's an American Blu-ray of it right now. So, I've, I've got a couple versions of that. I got the, um, the like a VHS tape of the mm-hmm. actual Della Morte, Della More European uh-huh. cut, European cut. You know, mm-hmm. I have Cemetery Man, 
which is mm-hmm. mutilated. That's the U.S. version. Uh-huh. And then I have another weird bootleg uh, called Della Morte Della More DVD. That's the that's the. It's not exactly the cut that's on the VHS, but it's pretty close. Interesting. Yeah, I think there. I think the blue, not Blue Underground, the Anchor Bay DVD was complete but i make i could be wrong i thought that that actually was complete but that's long out of print um but the church la chiesa uh at one point i believe also because i i had it in my collection uh had a a, a blue underground uh disc unless i'm wrong uh it did come out in america actually this film uh it was released in august 20th 1990 by tristar pictures but honestly, when they put that out there on Wikipedia, why do I have a feeling that's when it was released on home video? There was no theatrical for this movie in America. Right? I would be surprised if there yeah. was like a theatrical release for this film. That was this had to be the home video date, August of nineteen ninety. Um, but what's funny is I I definitely don't remember seeing it in the video stores. I didn't see this movie until the late nineties, early O's. Uh, I saw a VHS copy first from one of my friends. Um, so, yeah, weird, weird home, home video history there. When did you first see this movie, Mike? It had to be um, in 2005 or six because I, mm-hmm. rent, I rented it from um, Photoplay. Okay. The, the, late, yeah, yeah. the late great Photoplay that used to be on Manhattan Avenue in Greenpoint, the coolest one of the coolest things of it was a cool uh, store yeah yeah that like completely fallen neighborhood um (laughs) i mean the neighborhoods and it's nice now but it's not nearly as cool as it used to be you know that that place is long gone and you know yeah that's we it's you know hey we could do a whole episode about that you know (laughs) yeah but uh but yeah that's when i first saw it um you know, because that, that was like a, a gold mine of stuff. I mean, he had all the everything. I mean, that's where I saw Trouble Every Day. I rented it from him. You know. Yeah, um, in two thousand two, Anchor Bay put it out on DVD. Uh, it's long out of print, but yes, there was an O two uh, DVD of this nineteen eighty nine film. Um, one of my first notes I wrote about it doing the rewatch was. Suave was very much a student of Argento, and honestly. I mean, it's kind of unavoidable. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, you know, he, he cut his teeth and was a, was an uber fan. So, I mean, it's kind of, a, you know, how could it not be seen in his early works like Stage Fright and The Church, you know? Yeah, I, I agree, you know, but th- there's a huge influence. But I, I also feel like his films definitely have their own feel to them, though. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like definitely The Church feels like, you can you get the strong influence of Dario and, you know, Dario was like involved in producing it. And, uh, but you know, Della Morte, Della More, I feel like that was like a very unique film and that yeah. typifies what I think his style was all about really. Yeah. I, I think it, that's the, the, you know, I've come on my own kind of, you know, movie. Yeah. Um, I even see like some like Raimi isms in that movie, sure. right? Like, yeah. like Hardly any Argentoisms for me, at least. Um, it's 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 like a foreign Sam Raimi style movie. Whereas this movie, um, I will say, ultimately, while I 
enjoy this movie. I feel it is overall a fairly weak film, Michael. Like, I don't love it. It's like I, I enjoyed it and I liked it. I wasn't over the moon with this new viewing. What about you? It's, it really has a lot of promise. You know what I mean, like the setup, like the beginning scene, like the movie, yes, it starts beginning. off in medieval Germany mm-hmm. and uh, we see the Teutonic Knights and, um, and they were actually a real group of, uh, of knights. They were like mm-hmm. a real thing that existed and um, they were, their, their job was to uh, protect uh, Christians who were traveling to, you know, Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. You know, they and they but they all, you know, of course, they were called the uh, the order of the brothers of the German house of St. Mary in Jerusalem. That's mm-hmm. that was the formal name of the Teutonic Knights. Wow. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, they got a little too, uh, you know, over, overzealous and just oh, yeah. started finding um, evil. You know, they're looking for evil <laughs> everywhere, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but the version that we see. They're they're hunting uh, down these witches, and I thought this this whole beginning part of the film I thought was great. You know, they're yeah, it's, it's probably my favorite part of the film. Honestly, it's the best part of the movie. The yeah, the knights looked cool. They had these like cool helmets with a cross on it. There was like yeah, you know this yeah. scene where this young witch, you know, and they they ferret out these people, and you know they they murder her. And but there's like a minute where he takes his helmet off, and he's like. You kind of think he might spare her because she's yes, like, he's taken yeah. by her beauty, kind of, you know. Kind of brutal scene, yeah. Very a brutal scene. woman, yeah. yeah. And then they massacre this whole town and bury them. <laughs> they kill babies. They kill babies. They you burn know, they, down like, the town. There's like yeah, heads yeah, yeah. being cut off and you know being trampled by horses and all this stuff. It's a pretty wild scene, actually. Yes, like I said, it's my it's my favorite part of the movie. I almost literally wish they stayed in this. You know, <laughs> but you know, they had to jump to the late '80s, where it gets very late '80s, folks. Literally, like it's you know, visually and the, the hairstyles and the the clothing and you know. Well, um, well, the uh, the this this that setup though is like pretty cool because like there's this pit of bodies, mm-hmm. and, and basically they build a church on top of this thing, this this like, yeah. desecrated ground, which was. In hindsight, listeners, not the best idea. Um, if you've just massacred a whole village of who you think are devil worshippers and witches, it's not a good idea to put a church on top of them. I don't think it's a good idea, Mike. What about you? Probably not a good idea. Probably not. No. Maybe a few hundred yards away, <laughs> but on top, you are inviting problems later down the road, I feel like. You know? Yeah, and and you know they they the architect, the guy who designed the church, you know, mm-hmm. kind of maybe foresaw some problems. Yeah, you know, so he designed this whole system to keep the evil locked in in case it try. You know, there's like a in, in case it escapes, and so this evil presence doesn't infect the entire world. And infect is the operative word because it is like a disease in some ways. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. how I guess it you, you could have tied into demons, you know, the demons right. trilogy. That's right. Yes. I mean, hell, that that could have literally been a part of the script. I mean, it's it, you you kind of get the sense that he kind of started all over, but maybe he, you know, 
maybe he didn't entirely start all over and they, they kept a few things in. Yeah. Yeah. So story. Yeah. So yeah, then, you know, after that scene that takes place, you know, ages earlier, uh, we come to the present day, uh, and we're inside this, you know, said cathedral, uh, and a, a new librarian, uh, Evan arrives, you know, for his first day on the job and we meet him and we meet, uh, Lisa, lovely young woman who is restoring all the, the frescoes inside the church. And we meet this very surly bishop and we meet, uh, the father Gus, you know, we meet all the characters as we jump to the present day. Right. Yeah, and Lot Lati Lati. And we meet Lati, yes, played by Asia Argento. Um you know, it's funny. It, I guess you could also say this movie kicked off the 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 weird relationship of like Dario putting his daughter through the ringer in all the movies he's related. Like because she she kind of goes through the ringer a little bit too in this movie. Although certainly not to the extent of movies like Trauma, Stendhal Syndrome and, you know, etc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, she's in the beginning that, that scene that takes place in medieval Germany. Yes. You know, she's yeah. in that scene. She witnesses the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Now there's a, this, there, there's very, some very cool parts of this thing that involve her and her reincarnation. Cause she's basically Lottie is the reincarnated girl who witnesses the massacre of all these witches and the destruction of the town. And there's a scene when she meets Evan Mm -hmm. And she tries. She has. She hands him these things to listen, and she's like, "Can't you hear the sound of the horses?" Yes. And I it's remember. like so that I thought was like a little chilling because it was like this, you know, sort of memory from a past life. Yeah, that's true. Like, why? Like, why did she say that? Like, now that I think about that, it's yeah. Like, I mean, it's like it's like it, so. It's like so. Is she? The, is she literally reincarnated? Yeah. I wasn't like. Well, that, that's how I that's how I picked it up. You know, I was like, yeah, she's like the reincarnated girl because it's it's literally her. You know, it's literally Aji Argento. Mm -hmm. You know, and she she's the one who witnesses the destruction of the town, and that kind of to me like connected those things, and and that she has this remembrance, this like weird past life remembrance of the horses, the sound of the horses that the night the uh, Teutonic knights were riding. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So, you know, though this isn't, like, his strongest film, there's some cool stuff in it, though, like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Like, little things that you don't always, you know, pick up on. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I I like the fact that it, it's weird. The earlier Argento's, like, and I know this isn't his movie, but in, in some ways it kind of is his movie. Um. You know, you have your, your 70s kind of visuals and your 70s mentality and mindset. And even all the way almost up until like Tenebrae, which is 1982. Uh, but it had that weird feel where it was like you didn't really know when the hell it was taking place. You know, like this weird futuristic kind of Italy. Yeah. Um, this movie to me is like, you know, like it's very late 80s, maybe early 90s. Um, and it's weird to see Dario in this period for me like you know what i'm saying i had to kind of adjust myself to that if that makes any sense yeah because this is like the period where he made like tenebrae and and that those types of films i think right? yeah this is like a year, years like about six seven years removed from tenebrae but i feel like i don't know 
where like I feel like this is a time where Dario was not necessarily doing his best work is what I'm trying to say. Ah, um, okay. And he's not, you know, like the eighties were post Penabray. I think it was, the eighties were a weird time for him. And then he, you know, after this, he's going to go on to do the two evil eyes, or I think he's kind of doing two evil eyes literally right around the same time as this, the movie he did with Romero, which I like, but it, it was kind of a commercial failure, that movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then he does trauma. He has his American experience, which again, does not really do very well. And he kind of never really makes a movie in America again, goes back to Italy and regroups. Um, it's just the beginning of a weird period. And it's also to me, the beginning of the shitty horror period. This was filmed in 88. It came out in 89. And I feel like by that time, horror has shit the bed what do you think by 89 hmm. Hmm. yeah 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 i could see that because a lot of you know all of the um 89 89 was not a good year for horror no and, no i mean it's you're you're literally still getting the ass end of freddie and jason movies <laughs> like yeah but those, those those are like they're not the strongest entries into that no and, into that. and you're, you're getting freddie jason and you're getting michael myers movies in 88 and 89 because halloween four and five is 88 and 89 so that's horror there's i mean what you know it's like and again in some ways this has its own kind of cool european twist to those movies so it doesn't really have a lot in common with those movies, but it just it's it kind of brings to mind that the glory days are over. But the shining, the, the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, to me, is that I think Suave is a competent director, you know? And well, that look, the look, next thing up his sleeve is something fucking awesome. Well, let me ask more. you a question. Is like, you know, from the reading that you can do about this film, mm-hmm. there was definitely a conflict. You know, creative conflict with yeah. Argento and Suave. Mm-hmm. Now, do you? Th- and I believe that Suave was not happy with the way this film came out. Yes. Yeah. Uh, apparently, after this movie, the 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 you know the, the love affair I call it quote unquote was kind of over between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, Argento has nothing to do with Cemetery Man. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Now the question I'm going to pose: Do you think that you know we both? you know, pretty much agreed that Argento, this was not a good period for him. Yeah. That his no. involvement in this film might have been the reason why this film wasn't as good as it possibly could have been. Um, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it could be a host of reasons, you know? Uh, the thing is, there's a few things on, on, on Wikipedia that, that talk about, like also like uh, Lamberto Bava also has a hand in this because Lamberto Bava was a part of Demons 1 and 2. He was the director. Right. So you had Suave, Lamberto and Argento. Apparently, they were, they were literally talking about a, a supposed Demons 3 and it fucking fell apart, you know? Um, I don't know the, the ins and outs of that. You know what I'm saying? Um but yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe uh, Suave was like, I just want to make my own fucking movie. You know, who knows? You know, you could be right. Yeah, that that's the feeling I get, you know, after digging into this a little bit more. 
So the modern day part of this film is not nearly as cool as the medieval part. You know? No, I mean, and the, look, the medieval part is very brief, and you we kind of get little, we, we kind of go back to it a little bit, but we don't really go back to it as much as we are in that beginning is where we're really like immersed in it. I mean, it really takes place in the late eighties, you know? Yeah. But the setup is good. Cause like, you yeah. know, just, just to summarize, we got like this desecrated ground with evil, you know, a church built on top of that, a fail safe divine, divine uh, designed by this architect, which will bring down the entire church and then lock mm -hmm. the evil into you know, to safe off the rest of the planet from this impending doom that's uh, possibly being released. Mm. Yeah. And then we have this guy, Evan, and uh, a host of uh, priests and the mm -hmm. precocious Lati. Lati. And, uh, Weird name. <laughs> it is a name. It doesn't really roll off the tongue. Not, you, know what I mean? no. you know, and like most Italian names kind of roll off the tongue, and that one doesn't. You know? Lati. Yeah, L-O-T-T-E. Yeah. Not latte with an A. Yeah. We're not ordering coffee. No. It's latte. <laughs> yeah. Can't even, can't even say it. <laughs> and, and we have Lisa, who's, um, you know, the restorer of frescoes within this church. Right. Yeah. Um. Honestly, yeah. Look, I'm not really dazzled by anybody in the cast, um, except for Agio Argento. Be pretty much because she's Azure Argento, and you know, it's I, I go on, you know, to be a big fan of hers, obviously. Um, and she goes on to do some great stuff, but I guess I don't know. The, the overall plot was it's a good plot, right? It's a good story and it has a good beginning, but the middle and a, a good chunk of the middle towards the end is just very like I don't know, it didn't. It didn't hold my attention, you know? I found myself being distracted. Uh, I mean, although, again, I had seen the movie before. It was almost like seeing it for the first time because it had been so long because that's what happens with my fucking head. Um, and I was like, you know, I don't know. I think I remembered a certain, uh, the, the church, and this church that I got now was not a lovely church. <laughs> You know, and, and where, where the action starts is the first guy to get, uh, you know, infected by this is, is Evan. Is Evan, yeah. yeah. And, and he, and, you know, similar to Demons, you know, for those of you who haven't seen Demons, there's like an inf basically a demonic infection. And that's kind of the same thing that happens to Evan. He gets... In a movie theater, yeah. Yeah, and in, in, instead of a movie theater, we have a church. Right. So he gets infected. He starts hallucinating certain things. And... um. And then as he uh, attacks other people, they get infected. You know, Lati's father and mother yep. become. Mm -hmm. But there's also this other idea of this de actual demon or this like Lovecraftian creature that lives beneath the ruins, you know, beneath mm -hmm. the church. Now yeah. that, to me, you know, maybe just because I like those types of stories, you know, that's like mm -hmm. would have been a way cooler thing. You know, this there was almost like a Prince of Darkness sort of vibe to this film too, you know, where there's yeah, like some you know ancient what? evil, I, you know, but it, it never uh, quite gets paid off, you know? Prince of Darkness is definitely better, but I think Prince of Darkness is another example of a movie where the, where the story and the idea is great, but I'm also not super in love with that movie either. 
Like I like the. I like the like the idea of that movie more than the movie, but I hear what you're saying. You, you know yeah. what's funny about Prince of Darkness is I did not like that at first, mm. but when I found myself thinking about that film a lot, and over the course of the years, after rewatching it, it's actually become one of my favorite Carpenter films. Hmm, interesting. Hmm, I actually would like to uh, to go back and, and rewatch. Uh, is vampires that movie which i even think I, I saw in the theater back in the day oh yeah that's a good one that's got uh laura palmer in it yeah 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 um and i don't know i love the fog i'd like to check out the fog again fog's a great movie i mean that's kind of like undeniably good movie in the horror scene obviously but uh yeah i kind of get what you're saying with the prince of darkness vibes yeah yeah you know but but once again this film doesn't really deliver on that you know mm. but some of the good things about the church though is there is some pretty cool imagery you know they don't you know i think all catholics like all roman catholics are have this like they're in awe of the catholic religion mm -hmm. you know a lot of these filmmakers so there's like cool roman catholic stuff in there you know crosses and all this imagery in the church you know, and, and these slow motion scenes of this, you know, abyss with the cross falling into it and everything. Yeah. But that's not enough for me to really embrace this movie fully. No, I mean, there's some great visuals and, and again, some great ideas. Uh, and then there's some hokey stuff with the people, the visitors of the church and the, 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 the wedding lady, you know, the, yeah. you know, yeah. that whole thing. Um, which I don't know. I feel like it's just again of its of its whack late eighties time period for horror, and, th and that's also um, another parallel to the demons films, you know. Because if you think yeah. about it, it's like in demons, you know, there's a movie theater, there's like a a bunch of moviegoers, mm -hmm. and one by one they become victims. They either become victims and then they turn into these, you know, demons, you mm. know, and that's similar to what happens. In uh, with these churchgoers, there's like this group of people that the church is like, you know, this this like uh, tourist place, you know, that tourist attraction, and they just happen to pick the wrong day to visit this church. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. Uh, you're 100 percent right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. The, the movie actually has, has has a bit of a downer side to it if you really think about it too uh with the ending um everyone dies yeah with the exception of lottie which is again one of one of the more interesting parts of the film literally uh everybody everyone fucking dies the whole cast with the exception of lottie did you notice that i did and that that's important because if you're you know back her role in this film is like the um the the watcher the observer mm -hmm. she's always you know if you think about it that character doesn't really have like she's she's not like an integral part of moving the story forward. Mm -hmm. You know, she just kind of is the observer. She bears witness to everything. Well, there's, there, I mean, there's there's some semi sketch scenes where, uh, oh yeah, yes, in the movie, which only you know only goes to a certain level of sketch. But the listeners, uh, when you watch the movie, you'll you'll see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. There's some, uh, you know. Uh, possible, uh, you know, inappropriate sexual situations. Yeah. Which, um, you know, 
they, it's they, not it never gets, enough. it doesn't no, go, yeah. go there, but there's right, that, the, right, the right. peril. Lottie lot exactly. is in, is in danger, you know? But, yes. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, you know, and you know, her other ego, her other version of herself in middle, in the medieval Germany, she's the observer of the destruction of this town. You know, That's the, true. The, yes. the massacre of these, you know, may or may, I mean, some of them were, were witches, you know, and some right. of them were, you know, practicing their pagan ways. But some of that town were just regular people that the, the knights massacred. So. Oh, yeah. And and in the movie, like like Lisa, did she deserve to die? I mean, like, no. yeah, not, I, yeah. right? Like, they kill off everyone. That would be interesting. Yeah. And once again, at the end of the film, Lottie is the one who observes the destruction of the church and the murder of all these people. Mm. You know, I, but they, you know, and that, that connection, like I, I wish they would have fleshed out her character more, you know, mm-hmm. and, and kind of built up that whole, um, you know, the, the reincarnation angle like that, that, that to me would, would have been a really cool thing to develop more in the movie, you know? Yeah, and what what do you think of uh, Giovanni Lombardo Radice's character, Reverend Dominic? I mean, he again, he you know, not not, not a lot to do, right? They they didn't they didn't utilize him fully. No, they just kind of put him there. It's like, hey, there's that guy from horror movies from uh, the decade earlier, you know, whatever <laughs> years prior. And and also, this movie is a hundred minutes long. Mm-hmm. It's long, yeah, yes, real long. And there's definitely some editing that could have been done to make this a little more streamlined too, you know? Oh yeah, dude. Like, you know, again, there's some interesting scenes. Like there's the demon rape scene. I mean, it was, it's a little hokey, like the, the, the special effects, you know? Um, but I don't know. I, again, I, my memory of this movie was, was rather different. And, and I guess that's what happens sometimes. Right. Yeah. I mean, I do remember enjoying this a lot more than I did this last time I watched it, you know, mm. but, uh, but I will, I will go on record and say that there's some cool parts of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. There's some, um, and it's know, funny. Some, some Latin is spoken, which I always dig, you know, <laughs> and it's funny for a second film. I feel like his like stage fright is such a better movie than this. Like, yeah. You know, hmm. it's Again, probably, probably his many- worst film. Definitely. Yeah, maybe t- too many cooks in the kitchen, maybe too much, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, you know, interesting, right? But, you know, after this, he became his own man. And, and totally. Del Delamore is a masterpiece, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the best horror movies of the 90s, listeners, 100% from 1994. If you haven't seen it, seek it out. Uh, Cemetery Man is its U.S. name, Delamorte. Delamore is its uh, European title, and e- even Cemetery Man, though it's uh, really cut a lot, is still you get the gist of the movie though. You just don't have all the nudity that with Anna Fauci in it really, mm. and she's naked in that movie a lot. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, just like some of the like the really older movies where it's like your memory of it as a kid is like this was the most shocking, crazy movie ever. And then you watched it and it was like, oh, no, no, it was not, you know? Uh, it's it's kind of how I felt about this movie. I think I enjoyed it in the late 90s, early O's when I saw it. And then now, in, you know, 2022, it's like, mm, it's a weaker film compared to some of his other good films. Yeah. Um, 
what would you score the church, Michael Hill? I'm going to say 3.5 for this one. 3.5. Interesting. Yeah. I was going with a 2.5. Really? But I'm giving, wow. But, but I'm giving, I, I, that was my initial thought, actually, after the last night. And I thought about it some more. And I thought about it this morning. And I went, no, I will give it, I'm giving it a three because it's cool to see once, you know, uh, again, if you're an Argento completist, if you want to see Aja's first, you know, real movie, give or take, although uh, she's in, you know, this, it's actually not her first real movie. I think it's like her second movie. Um, it's cool to check out, you know, uh, the music is interesting. Um, you know, again, you have the combination of Emerson and Goblin, which is, you know, rare. It's usually one or the other, yeah. right? Yeah, it's one, um, one or the other, yeah. Well, technically, her first movie is Demons 2. So this, it, it goes Demons 2 and then this. Um, and she was in a movie in 1988 called Zoo, which God knows what that is. I have a funny feeling it is not a horror film. Um, so see it for those reasons. I give it, I give it a three. Yeah. It's worth worth a viewing, but ultimately I was let down um, because, yeah, I feel like, it, uh, you know, Suave's movies are just, other movies are just so much stronger. I, I gave it a 3.5 just because there's some cool scenes in it that are cool. You know, there, there are certain things about this that I like, but I don't like it enough to really back it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, he followed this up with The Sect in 1991. Which is another film, again, I have not seen since the early O's. I, I may seek that out again. Uh, the plot of that is an American school teacher living in Frankfurt, Germany, finds herself at the center of a plot devised by a Luciferian cult. That's, uh, hey, on paper, it's up our alley. Um, you know, uh, it has a, co again, it has a co-writing Argento credit. So I think that's his last uh, hurrah with Argento. Actually, not this. Uh, and it's got Pino Danaggio music. So that uh, might be kind of cool to check out. Yeah. You know? Interesting. Okay, yeah. I'm yeah. going to look that one up. Yeah, The Sect. Yeah. La Seta. Uh, again, yeah, I saw both around the same time period, I think, um, from a friend of mine loaning me his Argento VHSs. <laughs> <laughs> Good friend. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, but, you know, hey, not everything's going to be a home run, Mike. That's true, Mike. You know, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it, you know, what, what are you going to do? You know, sometimes. Yeah, we can't give fives out to everybody, folks. You know, but I think this like is. Those... I do think this is a good movie to have people aware of, though. Yes, it is totally. You know, um, you know, we're not like these trophy parents handing out trophies to all of our kids. Some kids got to get a lower score. Right. <laughs> to me, this movie is like a curiosity, and it's like mm -hmm. you know, like I said, there's things I liked about it, uh, but if if you can like check this out for free somewhere, definitely check it. Yeah, out, you know, uh, it's on Tubi. No, oh, there you go. That's where I watched it. Yeah, I thought I, I thought I still had my DVD. I do not. Uh, interestingly enough, his his last uh, directorial film credit was this big hit Christmas movie in Italy called The Legend of the Christmas Witch in 2018. How about that? Hmm. Uh, suave. Uh, I would check that out if I ever was able to find it. 
<laughs> you know, Tubi surprises me sometimes with how how much stuff they have. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's not the ideal way to watch a film with the advertising, but you know, but it's like, you know, it's still better than there's certain stuff on there that's it that's good they have good stuff on there sometimes oh and regarding his cameo in his own movie he actually has an appearance in all of the films he directs uh, and yes and assistant directed prior to the year 2000 well, so isn't that interesting? i don't i don't recall him in uh del morte del amore is he like what, a zombie or something like that that's a good question but it says yeah he makes cameos in all the films he directed or maybe he's like uh you know like you know how like uh, Raimi's brother was like a fake shemp in, in one of the uh, <laughs> yeah. like maybe maybe he's got like one of those kind of uh, things where he's like a little creature or something in uh, Della Morte Della More or he's he's part of the scenery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crazy. But uh, yeah, this was fun. <laughs> yeah. It was a good time. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you have it, guys. Yes. La Chiesa, a.k.a. The Church. The Church. Check it out. Look, hey, I gave it a three. Mike gave it a three, five, which means you should see it, right? Yeah, there are certain films out there that I just would not recommend anyone wasting their time with, but this is definitely not a waste of time. No, 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 definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really funny uh, assessment of something. It's not a waste of time. <laughs> It's not a waste of time. We did not cover a movie that we don't want you to see. Okay? <laughs> that is not what happened tonight. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> but we just want to entertain you people. And hopefully we entertained you for an hour and change, right? That's right. Okie doke. We will see you maniacs next time. Thank you for the support. Please subscribe 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 on either apple podcasts or on spotify and tell a friend right mike that's right share and tell share yep. we will see you next time necromaniacs take care take care guys mm -hmm.